This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's the post-Christmas edition of the Wake Up Call here on Sports Country Radio. Hope you all had a great holiday. I know it uh, was different for a lot of folks, no question about it. And uh, But I hope it was a good one nonetheless. And I uh, got a lot to get to this morning. Um, the football playoff picture becoming a lot clearer after yesterday. Uh, but there, we got a lot of, a lot of other things uh, to get to before we get to football this morning. Uh, my wife and I had a, a great Christmas. Uh, my wife uh, had a chance to get down with her friend Anne for a Christmas dinner um, just prior to the holiday, which was nice. And uh, Anne was nice enough to send back cookies to the fat guy. I was really happy about that. Very good chocolate chip cookies. She, but she sent back these uh, pecan cookies. I guess they're like, uh, they're like a shortbread cookie. They were amazing. Uh, so that was uh, that was very nice, and uh, uh, the not so nice thing I had happened right before Christmas, the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve day. I found out that my PlayStation account got hacked, and uh, they literally took my username and my password and put it onto another machine. Uh, my payment information had been saved, so I, my bank account got uh, hacked for a few hundred dollars uh, because uh, I now own a bunch of games, I guess supposedly that I don't have possession of. Uh, so I've had to deal with uh, my bank over the last couple of days trying to get that squared away. Fun stuff. Um, before we get to sports, I just want to take a minute, um, and, and I don't want to get, you know, uh, uh, bum everybody out just prior to the new year, but uh, uh, a change is coming here in Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, WCNX Radio, uh, it's an online and an AM, excuse me, an AM station that has been on the air here for uh, about the last 15 years, is going off the air on December the 31st. Now, you might say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, there are two things. Number one, uh, John and Judy Clark, who own the station, have been friends of mine uh, since just about the time they started the station. I I was their first uh, sports broadcaster. I was their sports director. Uh, we did high school games um, for the last 13 or 14 years. And uh, it is going to leave a hole in this community, um, the local high schools have gotten used to WCNX being there when they had games before the pandemic. They, having WCNX there, especially for their basketball and their football games and uh, and getting the kids uh, a lot of attention uh, in the local area. There are not a lot of radio stations in the state of Connecticut that, that carry high school football and basketball. Uh, WCNX has been a consistent presence and uh, they are going to be going off the air uh, on December 31st, which makes me personally sad. Uh, but the reason is is that uh, John Clark, and I may have mentioned uh, something about this before, but he is, uh, uh, has pancreatic cancer. And uh, he has been told by his doctors that, uh, you know, he needs to kind of, you know, change his lifestyle a little bit and, and kind of prepare himself as, as, as he gets towards the end of his battle with pancreatic cancer. And it has taken a toll on him. It has taken a toll on his wife, Judy. 
Uh, they're wonderful people. They've been wonderful friends. And I just wanted to take a moment this morning to uh, recognize uh, the fact that they will be going off the air. And uh, it is going, it really is. It's going to leave a hole in this area. And, you know, one of the reasons that I have this station is that they got me thinking when I was working with them that, boy, you know, they played uh, oldies music, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, but one of the things that got me thinking when they were doing it, I was like, you know, we really, it'd be nice to have an all sports station. So that's one of the reasons why I started doing this and I'm doing my weekly or my daily show. And, uh, we have, uh, uh, sports programming from people all over, um, new England and actually parts of the other, other parts of the United States. And I just thought it would be fun to do. So they were kind of the impetus for me doing this to begin with. So I have them to thank for that. And those of you that listen, you can thank John and Judy Clark as well. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to take a minute this morning to uh, to recognize um, uh, that they will be going off the air on December 31st. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to I, I people aren't going to realize how much they miss WCNX until, you know, next year when things get back to normal and they're not there anymore. Uh, I picked up the mantle and did some uh, some high school uh, basketball and football and uh, baseball as well on this station. But um and I'm going to be moving from this area uh, in a year, so uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be different uh, here in the uh, center part of Connecticut. All right, let's get to sports. Um, the, let's 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 do our daily uh, COVID uh, update. Uh, the Music City Bowl that was supposed to be played on Wednesday between Missouri and Iowa uh, was canceled on Sunday because uh, there were so many problems. Um, with the coronavirus on the Missouri campus that they were not going to be able to field a team. Uh, so that is the second bowl game that has been canceled uh, this season, and it may not be the last one. We'll see. Um, Jay, Jay Wright, the head coach of the Villanova men's basketball team, uh, has tested positive for the coronavirus, uh, and uh, the number 5 Villanova Wildcats have paused basketball activities for the time being. Uh, it has gotten worse than that. Syracuse um, has paused all women's basketball-related activities and contact tracing underway after a positive test. Um, so they are uh, going to shut down for a little while. Uh, but shutting down for the rest of the season are the Duke women's team. Um, they have decided that, uh, and it was the players that decided to do this, uh, that with everything going on with the virus on campus that they thought it would be too difficult to continue. So the women's basketball team has canceled the rest of its season. And uh, Carol Lawson, who the new coach who was just hired in July, actually said a while ago that she didn't think they should be playing in the midst of all this. Mike Krzyzewski, the men's basketball coach, has questioned whether they should be playing. Now, as of right now, uh, the Duke men are still intending to keep playing but you know with what has happened with the women would it shock me if uh, the Duke men decided to shut down no and it will be interesting to see now that a major team you know Duke is in one of the power conferences for basketball in this country for both men and women if this will start a rash of teams thinking about shutting down you know now we know that the the vaccine is on the horizon but the vaccine isn't going to get to young student athletes for quite a while yet you know we we hope that the numbers will start going down maybe in the spring but you know by then basketball season will be over so it'll be interesting uh it was a i think it was a bold move 
uh, by the Duke women's team. And, and like I said, I'll be curious to see if anybody else follows suit. It would not shock me if they did. We saw what happened in football, in college football. It was like it was dominoes. You know, then, of course, you had the Pac-12 and the Big Ten go, ah, never mind, we'd rather have the money. Uh, but, uh, and, and you know, there's money to be had in college basketball as well, folks. I mean, the NCAA tournament brings a lot of money at the university. So uh, it was a bold move by Duke. So let's see if the, the Duke women's team kind of starts the ball rolling here and we start seeing other teams uh, deciding that it's just not worth it and maybe take a step back and wait until next year. So we'll see. Um, some sad news in college athletics over the weekend. Ty Jordan, uh, freshman running back at the University of Utah, uh, was killed this past weekend on Saturday um, after accidentally shooting himself. You know, the first word was that it was an accidental shooting, so I assumed that, you know, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, but it happened in his home. He accidentally shot himself um, in the hip, I guess, um, and that he later died at a hospital. And I don't know how you shoot yourself in the hip, but uh, later they said it was a wound of the abdomen, so it had to be higher and must have been some internal bleeding and stuff. So he uh, he was the freshman uh, rookie of the year in the Pac-12. And uh, he is now gone at the age of 19. Just horrible, horrible. Um. So one more thing before we get to football, a huge trade last night in Major League Baseball. Um, Not official yet, but everything says it's done. Blake Snell is being traded by the Tampa Bay Rays to the San Diego Padres for prospects. I mean, it is a huge, huge deal. Look, Blake Snell was the guy who, uh, you know, got taken out when he was throwing a two-hit shutout in the final game of the World Series. Kevin Cash took him out. He had only thrown like 75 pitches in the sixth inning. They took him out, and they ended up losing the game. Dodgers came back to win it 3-1, to and the series was over. So now, Snell... (laughs) so that uh, Tampa fans won't be reminded of it and Kevin Cash won't have that daily reminder of it, have decided to trade him to the Padres. This is a huge deal for the Padres. Now, the Rays are going to get back three pretty good prospects. They're going to get back uh, four of them, as a matter of fact. Uh, Luis Patino, who is their number three overall prospect, he's a pitcher. Uh, They're getting back catcher Francisco Mejia, who has uh, uh, been highly touted for years. Um, they're also getting back pitcher Cole Wilcox and another catcher in Blake Hunt. Um, you know, and uh, of those, I mean, Mejia is probably ready to, to go to the majors right now. And uh, the Patino is, uh, uh, Patino is uh, 21 years old, so he's not far away either. Um, and for the, the Padres, now you have a front-line starter. Now, they made the trade for Mike Clevenger last year, but, of course, Clevenger had to have Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out for all of 2021. So they now have Blake Snell at the front of that rotation, you know, and they've got some other good young pitchers in, like, uh, Danilson Lamette and Chris Paddock. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is another kid that is about ready to burst onto the scene, a, a, uh, one of their top pitching prospects in the minor leagues. Um, but now you've got Blake Snell, and they have Blake Snell for three more years of control. 
he is going to make just $10.5 million next year. For a starting pitcher, that's dirt cheap for, of, of his caliber. He's going to make $12.5 million in 2022 and $16 million in 2023. He's 28 years old, and the Padres are getting him at his peak. So now, look, Snell was really good last year, 4-2. and two. 3.24 ERA, made 11 starts, coming back after the injury plague season he had the year before, struck out 63 guys in 50 innings. This is a great move for the Padres. And, you know, and as far as, uh, as, as, far as the Rays go, same old thing. You, you build a guy up, you get him successful, and then you ship him off for prospects. And yet somehow this Rays team continues to find ways to win. So uh, the fact that they traded Snell, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be counting them out in the American League East because somehow, I mean, it's like Houdini. These guys figure out a way to get it done. Um, got a couple other things uh, that we can get to before we get to football. Might as well get these out of the way. Uh, Phil Necro died yesterday. Uh, Phil Necro was a guy that I watched pitch my entire childhood. He pitched for the Atlanta Braves forever. He had a 24-year career, and of those 24 years, he pitched 20 of them for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he pitched until uh, he started in 1964 when I was a young man, and a very young man, and pitched until uh, 1987 at the age of 48. He won 318 games over his career. I mean, some of the stuff that he did, you will never, ever see again. Um, think about this. He was so good. He had 121 wins after his 40th birthday. 121 wins after he turned 40. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um when he was 40 years old, 1979, he made 44 starts and had 23 complete games. I know it was a different time. I get it. But, you know, and he threw a knuckleball. You know, we think of knuckleballs these days. We think of Tim Wakefield, that ball floating up there, and it's like running to the bat rack. Phil Necro threw that knuckleball for 24 years and had a career ERA of 3.35. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy with a knuckleball, led the major leagues in ERA one year with a 1.87. I mean, he threw 2,000 innings after he turned 40 years old. I mean, some of the stuff you read, uh, you know, think about this. And, and, again, the game has changed a lot. But he his 5,400 career innings is the fourth most all time. Fourth most all time. The people that are ahead of him are guys that pitched in the 1800s. Cy Young, Pud Galvin, uh, Walter Johnson. But, oh, he pitched in, in, the, in, the 19, in the 20th century. But he's the only one. Since 1900, who debuted, or Walter Johnson, who debuted in the modern era. So he and Necro are the only ones to have ever done that. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. 104 complete games after he turned 40. There isn't a pitcher pitching right now, not one, that will have 104 complete games in his career. Phil Necro had 104 after he turned 40. Um, elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, in uh, 1995, I believe it was, and he is the seventh Hall of Famer to pass away this year. It's been a brutal year uh, in a lot of areas, but this is the most uh, Hall of Famers that have ever died in one calendar year. Uh, he was the seventh. 
so uh, sad passing, but uh, a great ambassador for the Hall of Fame and a guy who was an absolute uh, warhorse. Uh, one other death to report this weekend, uh, Casey Jones passed away. Uh, Casey Jones, who won eight straight NBA titles as a member of the Boston Celtics when uh, Bill Russell was playing, and then coached the Celtics um, to two more championships in the 1980s. Those teams with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish, back when I used to love to watch NBA basketball. Uh, he was 88 years old, uh, and he passed away after battling cancer. So, um, yeah, we got other stuff, but it's time to get to football because there was uh, – uh, we've got some clarity. We so there were a lot of uh, seeds locked up over the weekend. The number one seeds in both the NFC and the AFC have been decided. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, you got to go through Kansas City in the AFC and the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. Uh, the Packers were ridiculous last night, and it, anybody who doesn't vote for Aaron Rodgers, for MVP, needs to have his head examined. I mean, the stuff that Aaron Rodgers is doing right now um, is otherworldly. And last night, they were playing in a snowstorm, a snowstorm in Green Bay, and you would never know it. I mean, he just, he was dropping dimes. You know, there's no doubt this guy is the MVP. 21 for 25 in the snow for 234, 231 yards and four touchdowns. Unbelievable. A.J. Dillon, kid from New London High School, played at Boston College, uh, handled the workload on the ground last night, 21 carries, 124 yards and two touchdowns. Kid is built like a fire plug. He's like 5'11", 250 pounds, and he just looked like you wouldn't have known it was, it was uh, snowing. They just dismantled Tennessee last night, forty to fourteen. Uh, so, and and you know, again, Tennessee, a team from a warm weather climate. You think playing in Green Bay in February or January isn't going to make a difference? Oh yeah, it is. So, where are we at? So, those are going to be the two top seeds. We know that Buffalo now is locked into the number two seed. Buffalo plays New England tonight. Uh. So they are, if they beat New England, I should say, they are locked into the number two seed. Um, other than that, well, Pittsburgh woke up. They're in now. They clinched the division title. Baltimore just is one win away from getting in. Vegas knocked themselves out. Um, and then the NFC, uh, <laughs> well, New Orleans gets in. They win the division. Tampa clinches its first uh, playoff berth in forever. Seattle beats the Rams yesterday, so Seattle wins the uh, the West title. And the NFC East continues to be absolutely putrid. <laughs> and uh, Dan Zampano, who thought that the Dallas Cowboys were going to the uh, Super Bowl, might still uh, have his uh, prediction come true. Dallas right now tied atop the NFC <laughs> East with a 6 and nine record. Unbelievable. Now, it's all comes down to next week, and it's it's as simple as this. Washington plays Philly on Sunday night. If Washington beats Philly, no matter what else happens next week, Washington wins a division title. And Dan Sampano just corrected me, and he's right. Uh, the Green Bay has not 
clinch the number one seed. They still have to win next week. So I can't I can't get anything past Zampano, even when he's not on the show. He's always paying attention. Uh, but they have to play at Chicago next week. If they beat Chicago, they'll clinch the number one seed, and there's no reason to think that they won't. Uh, it, it, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, <laughs> it, I mean, he's just – what is he? He's thrown 44 touchdowns this year and five interceptions. I think those are the numbers I saw. I mean, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So, um, but next week, it's as simple as this. Washington wins – against Philly on Sunday night, and the Redskins win the division title. They lose, well, then it comes down to the Cowboys and Giants at the Meadowlands, and the winner of that one would head to the playoffs. Unreal. You know, and but, you know, these teams, a lot of teams had chances to clinch bursts or get themselves in position to get in the playoffs and puked on themselves. And let's start. With the Cleveland Browns, just when you think the Cleveland Browns have it figured out and they look like they are going to steamroll their way into the playoffs, they are on the verge of not making the playoffs. They're going to have to beat Pittsburgh next week to get in the playoffs. Why? Because Baker Mayfield single-handedly lost that game yesterday for the Cleveland Browns. And you'll, you know, you look at it, you say, well, he threw for 285 yards. Well, yeah, but he got sacked four times and he couldn't hold on to the football. I mean, it's crazy. He, he did his impersonation of Jared Goff yesterday, just putting the football on the ground on a consistent basis. And look, he took responsibility. He said, I failed this team. I put three balls on the ground uh, two of them they recovered, and the other one was on fourth down. I mean, that's essentially how the game uh, ended is he fumbled a football on the last offensive play that the Browns ran, and that was that. And he said, this one's on me. And he said, but here's the thing. It's going to sting for a day or two, but we've got the Steelers to win and get in. And it's going to be very interesting because now that Pittsburgh has clinched the division title, what do they have to play for? You know, what do the Steelers do next week? Look, this is a team that has uh, been a walking mash unit, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Will they decide to rest a bunch of people, including Ben Roethlisberger? Or will they play everybody and disrupt the playoff plans for the Cleveland Browns? You know, it's going to be a very similar situation next week. We're looking at, for instance, the Buffalo Bills. If they win tonight, they will clinch the number two seed behind the Steelers, I mean behind the uh, Chiefs, and then the game next week doesn't mean anything to them, but it will to their opponents. So what's going to happen? You know, and if you're the New York Jets, I guess if you're the Jets – you know, and you won the game last week, you might as well win another one, right? You already you already know you've blown the number one uh, draft pick. So what the hell? You might as well win another one. So for the second week in a row, the New York Jets uh, pull off the stunner and they beat Cleveland uh, 23-16. But this was a game that 
they had no business losing. And you could say all you want about how Cleveland, you know, was shorthanded. They were missing, I think, seven players because of guys that had been placed on, you know, the COVID-19 list. But it's the Jets. You've got to beat this team, you know. But give the Jets credit. Nick Chubb, 11 carries, 28 yards. Kareem Hunt, four carries, 11 yards. They were not able to run the ball at all. Baker Mayfield had to throw it 53 times. 53 times because they got down 13 to 3 at halftime and then 20 to 3 early in the third quarter. So the running game was out the window. And Baker Mayfield just couldn't hold on to the football. So, you know, this one's on him, no question. But man, I, I just last week, you know, and and even even Dan Zampano who's been killing the, killing the Browns all year. Even he was starting to believe. That'll teach us. It's 30 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Thirty-three minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Monday morning. So I referenced the Buffalo Bills, who of course are playing the Patriots tonight. And next week's game probably won't mean anything to the Bills unless the the Patriots pull off a shocker tonight. You know, uh, Jared Stidham starts and you know throws four touchdowns, and you know they outgun the Buffalo Bills tonight. But uh, I wouldn't count on that. But uh, anyway, if uh, uh, if next if next week's or if this week's game with Buffalo goes as I expect next week, they'll have zero to play for. But the team that is going to matter is the the Miami Dolphins. The game of the week this week, and I don't care what anybody says, this might be the play that happened on Saturday's game between the Dolphins and the Raiders at the end of the game may be the most incredible pass and catch I have ever seen in my life. And I'm that's probably hyperbole, and I'm sure if I thought hard enough, I could think of some other ones. But this was ridiculous. Now, before we even get to that point, the Miami Dolphins look like, well, they look like crap. Look like they were going to lose to the the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders. See, I got Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, take your pick. Um, the Dolphins were terrible. Uh, Tua got benched, and he should have. He was not good. Look, he was 17 for 22, but he's – you know, they continue with him at quarterback. He's not showing the ability to throw the ball down the field. They continue to do this, you know, dink and dunk kind of thing, and it's not working. Look, that's what that's why the Pittsburgh Steelers were having such trouble for a few weeks. They refused to throw the ball down the field. They finally did this week. We'll get to that in a minute. But Miami, you know, just couldn't move the ball. So they're down to the Raiders, 13-6 to six at the half. Now, Tua gets them back even. It's 13 apiece. Vegas goes back on top. But then, again, the Miami offense stalled. So they make a decision. We're going to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Now, Fitzpatrick, who has been sitting on the bench for, what, seven weeks, basically, comes off the bench and does what Fitzmagic does. The last four minutes of this game were absolutely insane. He comes in. They move down the field. He gets the tying field goal. Right after that, not 20 seconds later, the Raiders score when Derek Carr hits Nelson Aguilar for an 85-yard catch and run. I mean, it was one of those things where it just uh, (laughs) you just shook your head and you're like, oh, here we go. Well, that didn't bother Fitzpatrick. He comes back a 59-yard pass to Miles Gaskin. Miami back up on top. And then it got funny. It was just, what, a couple of weeks ago, the Raiders fired their defensive coordinator when they blew a game because they decided, uh, you know, on an all-out blitz, and they got smoked. Well, yesterday, or Saturday, I should say, the Raiders have the football. They are driving, and if they score a touchdown, they are going to probably end this game. They are going to win this game. Final minute of the game, the Raiders decide to start playing for the field goal. They're down 23-22, and they decide they don't want to score the touchdown. They want to take as much time off the clock and play for the field goal. So twice, their running back takes the ball up the middle and falls down before he gets to the goal line. There was one point that one of the Miami defenders was actually trying to push him into the end zone so he would score so the Dolphins would have more time on the clock. But they decided to play for the field goal. All right, so all well and good. So Daniel Carlson nails a 22-yard field goal with 19 seconds left. It's 25-23 Vegas. Game over, right? Well, we forgot about Fitzmagic. He... (laughs) The pass that he made to Mac Hollins, and to call it a heave, I guess, <laughs> would be accurate. Not only, not only was it desperation, he had a guy grab onto his face mask and was turning his head around. So when he throws the football, he's not even looking up the field because his head has been snapped completely around and yet somehow Matt Collins is there makes the reception the Dolphins are able to kick a 44 yard field goal with one second left and they beat the Raiders 26 to 25 uh (laughs) stunning you know and I wish I really do I wish that we didn't have people on the sidelines wearing the face masks because I would love to have seen the expression on John Gruden's face. Unfortunately, he had that black mask on there, so we couldn't see his his uh, Chucky face. But I can guarantee you it, was, it would have been priceless. And it, it was bad enough. You know, you try to play for the the field goal. To me, when you got a chance for a touchdown, you take it. You know, and the difference between 19 seconds and 35 seconds 
really in the grand scheme of things wouldn't have been that big a deal. And then you force the Dolphins to have to score a touchdown. As it was, now they just needed the field goal. And, you know, that 34-yard pass to uh, to Hollins was just the ticket they needed. It was unbelievable. It really was. You know, and there were a couple of uh, penalty calls in this game, a couple of uh, pass interference calls that uh, against the Dolphins I thought were a little sketchy. But when when are pass interference calls not sketchy these last couple of years? Um, but that was a stunning, stunning victory by the Dolphins. But the Dolphins still find themselves in position now where they got to win next week. And they got to go to Buffalo. Uh, will Buffalo play their starters? You know, and you, uh, to me, to me, if I'm Josh Allen and the rest of the Buffalo, I want to play. You know, I want to play. You can make a case for, say, the Pittsburgh Steelers next week where they are so banged up that they might need that week off. And, you know, you've got a 38-year-old quarterback in Pittsburgh that probably could use the time off. But if I'm Buffalo, the way I'm playing right now, unless they, you know, now if Buffalo somehow loses tonight, and the word is, by the way, Cam Newton is supposed to play quarterback tonight, so I think there's a snowball's chance in hell the Patriots win this game. But if that happens, and look, nobody thought the Jets were going to win the last two weeks, so let's remember that. But if Buffalo loses tonight, then all bets are off, and then the Dolphins are in trouble. You know, if the Dolphins have to go to Buffalo and win with the regular Buffalo offense on the team, I don't, I don't think they can do it. Now, and if you're, if you are the Dolphins now, let's say you go next week. Don't you have to start Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback? I mean, don't you have to? I mean, I know, and and the funny part is, Tua was five and two as a starting quarterback. Yet his numbers, you kind of go, eh. And the fun, you know, again, the funny part is he's actually six and two as a starting quarterback because even though he didn't finish the game, he was the starting quarterback when they won that game last week. So uh, talk about that's a, a misleading statistic. But if you are the Dolphins, don't you have to play Fitzpatrick next week, whether it is Josh Allen on the other side of the ball or not? He has to play. Absolutely has to play. Uh, and the Steelers yesterday, for, somehow they came to life. And it was like two different games. They were down, the Steelers were, 24-7 to with nine minutes to go in this game. And then all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger says, you know, maybe I'll try to start throwing the ball down the field a little bit. And look what happens. 39-yard pass to Deontay Johnson kind of keeps him in the game. Then they move the ball five plays, 74 yards. They get it back within three. And then a 25-yard pass to Juju Smith-Schuster, seven and a half minutes to go, and the game is over. Roethlisberger finishes with 342 yards passing, three touchdowns, no ins, got sacked once. You know, because once again, this Pittsburgh team could not move the ball on the ground at all. 
Five carries, 20 yards for Connor. Snell, who was so good last week, six carries, zero yards. But this was two different games. Phillip Rivers, who looked so good in the first half, looked lost in the second half. Finishes 22 for 35 for 270 yards. So the Steelers, you know, everybody was ready to bury them. You know, like, hey, the Steelers could end up, you know, a wild card. Yeah, well, maybe not. 12-3, and and now next week they have a game. They have some decisions to make. Do you help Cleveland? I mean, the game is basically meaningless for Pittsburgh. Do you do the Browns a favor and rest a bunch of guys? Now, you, like I said, you can make the case for the Steelers doing that, but this is the Steelers and the Browns. You know, this would be like the Red Sox and the Yankees playing, you know, and the Yankees deciding to sit everybody, you know, in baseball. It just isn't It isn't going to happen. I, I don't think Pittsburgh and, and, and Mike Tomlin are going to do that because it's the Browns. You know, it's a grudge kind of game. It's a, it's That's just – I just don't see it. So Baker Mayfield – is going to have to be the Baker Mayfield of a couple of weeks ago and not the Jared Goff impersonator uh, that he was yesterday. 45 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. We're back in a minute to wrap things up. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Um, So the Seattle Seahawks won the NFC West title yesterday. Uh, They beat the Rams 20-9. to Um you know, and this may sound stupid, but I mean, look, S- Seattle's eleven and four. It is to me, it is a soft eleven and four. But I mean, they won this game yesterday with the defense. Look, the Rams were the fifth straight opponent that Seattle has held under twenty points. So you can make the case, Russell Wilson aside, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson's. But he has not been as good as a lot of people expected him to be this year. You know, he threw for 225 yards yesterday. You know, I mean, he did a good job of managing the game. But, you know, this was all on the defense. And 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 Jared Goff got hurt in this game. And I don't know whether that was a factor or not. He tried to kind of play it off. But, I mean, this game was 6-6 six to six at halftime. You know, it was the poster child for no-dos. You know, now Russell Wilson gets Seattle ahead uh, with a four-yard run early in the third. You know, the Rams kind of, you know, 10 plays, they go 29 yards and get a field goal to make it, try to make it a game, and then Russell Wilson puts it away with a touchdown pass with three minutes to go. But Jared Goff dislocated his thumb in this game. Now and he now he didn't even miss a play. He popped it right back in, and he said, "You know, it's he said it's not great." He said, "But you know, it is what it is." And he said, "We'll see what happens next week." But did that play a factor in the second half? He heard it uh, by hitting his hand on a helmet in the third quarter. Now my gut reaction is not didn't hurt anything because he wasn't doing, doing a lot in the first half either. Um, but if you look at this, I mean, it wasn't that the Seattle that Seattle won this game. 
because they had only 292 yards of offense. As a matter of fact, the Rams had more total yards. The Rams had more time of possession. The Rams did everything but win this game because they couldn't score. You know, So you have to give the Seattle defense all the credit here. But despite the fact that I think that is a soft 11-4, and four, they could still wind up with the number one seed. I mean, I think it unlikely, but they could get the number one seed if both Green Bay and New Orleans lose next week. You know, um, and, and I don't think Green Bay is going to lose at Chicago. I don't. I mean, Chicago still has something to play for. I, you know, Chicago sitting right now at eight and seven. They're still in the hunt. Thanks to the Rams loss. The Rams could end up being out of the playoffs, by the way, if they lose next week. Um, at Arizona. Arizona could end up getting in over the Rams. Um, but Chicago still has something to play for. So I do, But I don't think Green Bay is going to lose at Chicago. And I don't think New Orleans is going to lose at Carolina. But if they do, if, that, if both those things happen, Seattle could wind up with the number one seed. <sighs> that would be amazing. And it would kind of show you where the NFC is at right now. Um, so, you know, but and then Seattle would have to take care of business at San Francisco. Again, you don't think that's going to be much of a problem either. So then we get to the NFC least. And what a mess it is. The, the New York Giants, you know, you knew they were going to lose this game to Baltimore. Baltimore is playing well. Baltimore is going to make the playoffs. I mean, they've got Baltimore has another winnable game next week. So they are going to get in. So you knew they were going to beat the Giants. All they've got all that Baltimore's got to do is beat Cincinnati next week. Um but the Giants still have a chance. Daniel Jones got the start yesterday, threw for two hundred and fifty two yards, but he got sacked six times. Oh my God. And Baltimore, look, Lamar Jackson threw for 183 and two touchdowns, ran for 80 more. He is he is playing MVP type football. Now he's not winning the MVP. Don't let's not get carried away. But he has been for the last four or five weeks since his team was on the precipice of fading into oblivion, has put this team on his back and has absolutely taken control of the destiny of the Ravens. So the Giants you know, they, they, uh, they're still alive, but barely. Now, the Cowboys made a statement. They absolutely throttled the Eagles yesterday, 37-17. to 17. Andy Dalton threw for 377 yards and three touchdowns. Zeke Elliott ran for 105 yards. I mean, they had two guys, Amari Cooper and uh, Gallup, both had over 100 yards receiving. The Cowboys looked like a team that was ready to play for the Super Bowl. 513 yards of us. Well, you know, even at that, even though the Eagles got beat by 20, the Eagles still ran up 477 yards of offense. That's going to be the problem for the Cowboys. Can they stop anybody? Uh, you know, I mean, that's it's just awful. So they will play at the Giants, 1 o'clock at the Meadowlands on Sunday. 
And then if they win, they wait and see what happens, and they pray that the Eagles beat the Redskins. You know, I, I, I don't see it, but the Redskins lost to a very bad Carolina team yesterday. Haskins got the start despite uh, being in trouble, got the start, and was awful. 14 of 28, 154 yards and two interceptions. They probably should have left him on the bench. Uh, and they end up losing to Carolina. So now Washington can still get in despite a putrid effort yesterday. I mean, Haskins was so bad, they had to bench him. Tyler Hankey came in to play quarterback and was pretty good. 12 of 19, 137 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Carolina got up on this game 20 to nothing. Washington just ran out of time. Antonio Gibson finally uh, played for Washington, ran for 61 yards. He's not the same player as he was before he hurt that toe. But Washington still controls its own destiny, a win next week, and they are in. Uh, one more quick note. How about the Chiefs yesterday? Man, uh, they got the number one seed, but they had to get a missed field goal to win this game. Now, now maybe they win it in overtime. Um, if Atlanta doesn't miss that that field goal at the end of the game. But Patrick Mahomes yesterday was just meh. 24 of 44, 278 yards, couple of touchdowns, threw an interception. Uh, Kansas City did not run the ball very well. Atlanta was a very tough opponent for them yesterday, you know, and you look at this Kansas City team and they are 14 and 1, but you know, think about this. This is a Kansas City team that has had to win a lot of one possession games. A matter of fact, that win yesterday was their 7th straight one possession game. So it's not like they are blowing everybody out. You know, and remember back in the early in the season, the Patriots, for God's sake, should have beaten Kansas City in Kansas City. So they're 14 and 1, but they are not invincible. They're not. So a lot of uh, a lot of games, a lot of playoff hopes on the line next week, a lot of surprising results again this week. And uh We'll have Dan Zampano on to talk about it all on Friday. We are going to be here tomorrow. Uh, we will not be here Wednesday, Thursday. I've got uh, I've got to play construction boy. My uh, stepson is coming into town, and he and I are going to work on my daughter's RV for the next uh, four or five days. But I am going to do a show on Friday because it's NFL Sunday, so I want to have Dan on on Friday. Uh, so we'll be here tomorrow, but nothing Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'll be back on Friday uh, in our normal slot. So uh, uh, because we've got uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll see you tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from John Mellencamp and them double blues. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.